the times that I've been happiest in life have been when I felt like I had a, a vision or a, a, a purpose, something to chase, and uh, I went for it. And when you're going for it, it there's nothing. There's not really a, a, a better feeling. Um, and talkability has definitely been one of those times where I was like, "This is what I'm going to do," and you just you go do it. And there's nothing that stops you, and it feels wonderful. To, you know, it's hard, but it feels overall it's incredible. And I, you know, when I'm interviewing potential employees, I always ask them, "What do you want to do with your life? Like, what are you?" What do you really want to do? I know you don't. You don't want to work at a taco shop. That was my thing. But what do you want to do? And um, I want to encourage people to go chase their dreams, just because that's where I've felt most fulfilled and happy. And I want other people to feel that too. Welcome to Making It in Asheville, a podcast where you get to hear the stories behind some of your favorite artists and businesses in town. Each episode, we work to uncover how these entrepreneurs and creatives are making it in Asheville and provide you with actionable insights from each conversation. And we're your hosts. That was Sarah and I'm Tony. We're a husband and wife team. We moved to Asheville in May of 2019 uh, with our hearts set on figuring out how to make it in Asheville. The podcast is, A, one of the ways that we're making it in Asheville, but B, was just a genuine interest to learn from others and share their stories. And so um, we support this podcast with the work that we do in our own marketing agency called Making It Creative. Uh, We work with local businesses and businesses around the country on brand strategy, communications, email marketing, all sorts of fun and modern ways to tell meaningful stories. Um, And in this podcast, we get to tell a really meaningful story, the story of Hunter Berry and Taco Billy. So in this episode, we sit down with Hunter Berry. He's the founder of one of Asheville's most beloved taco shops. Uh, You know it as Taco Billy. Um, Hunter shares with us how he fell in love with breakfast tacos while he was living in Mexico and Texas, and then why and how he decided to bring that love of breakfast tacos to Asheville and make a business out of it. We talk about all sorts of stuff on this podcast, least of which is how they chose the name Taco Billy, a name that we love, a logo also that we love. It is this awesome kind of negative space goat. We get all into uh, the name and the brand in this episode. Lots of takeaways. Hunter also shares a lot of um, of his marketing strategy, which is less of a strategy than you know, more of an approach of how he he lives life and approaches his business. Um, We talk a lot about how the stickers, which you've probably seen around town, um, or at least have seen them in the shop, there's sort of that bright orange Billy Goat sticker. Um, We talk a lot about how those have played an important role in spreading the news about his business as well. And finally, we also talk about earthships, a term you might not have ever heard of, but uh, we hadn't either until we sat down with Hunter and Earthships are pretty, pretty rad. It's uh, one of his passions and, and something he was up to before Asheville. So um, the episode is is awesome. I also want to highlight that this was some of the first tears we've had on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, season three, look alive, people. We're getting emotional. We're asking questions that bring stuff up, and it's been uh, really powerful. So I just want to thank Hunter for being as kind of vulnerable and open and honest through this entire episode. We loved it and we look forward to sharing it with you. So without further ado, 
Let's get into episode 37 with Hunter Berry from Taco Billy. But you're you're kind of you're kind of on all the time when you're you know practicing husbandry. Yeah. Um, I had to leave the the ranch to have a day off, but I loved it. I felt yeah. like I was changing the world. I was on fire. That's you know, cool. I was young, idealistic, and broke. I think I'll probably say that a couple times. Um, but my wife and I, we were wanting to be a part of change. And, uh, like, food, what, I mean, what's food is personal to everybody. So, sure. um. And what state were you in when you were Oh, in Texas. We were on the Texas. first, it was the first certified organic ranch in Texas. Um, and we had 50 cows that had calves. It was a, they called it a calf-cow operation. And then I had, uh, about 450 layers. So the layers are chickens that lay eggs which is a different breed than the broilers that we raise for meat. Um, I bought 800 chicks every three weeks and wow. took us eight weeks to grow them to about five pounds. And we pretty much developed the language for um, pasture-raised chicken farming. There's a farm out there in uh, Austin that is, um, it was the people behind Epic Bars, I believe. Epic Bars? Yeah, so like Epic is this... Um, I don't know, it's like a protein bar or like a like a beef jerky of sorts and somehow or another. Oh, yeah, I know Epic Bars. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so I think that those guys had like, and I say guys, but the, the team has had a couple big consumer product wins. And then they built this gigantic ranch that's trying to do the most, you know, or the whatever the furthest extreme of good or natural air quotes is, that's what they're trying to do. And I think that they're farm is now considered like uh like wild land which is almost definitionally different than what a farm is like farms are not wild land and i don't know i don't know what it's called epic farm no it's not, is it called epic farms i don't think it's called epic farms there's, there's a bison, gen, there's a gentleman bison. there's a gentleman in texas who um i think he may have been the founder or bought or something of a restaurant called Church Church's Chicken. Yeah, it's like a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, he bought. I don't know. He's got like five thousand acres or so, but he cut every cedar tree on it, which is an invasive species in oh, Texas, wow. and they're everywhere. But has um, for the last fifteen years probably has been trying to bring the land back to its natural state. And after he <laughs> cut all the trees, probably like twenty springs just started flowing. Oh wow! And all the like old grasses have come back, and it's a really special place. That's yeah. what you remind me of when you talk yeah. about it. I'm gonna we're gonna look that up, and if this is in the podcast, there will be links to the things that we're talking about yeah. right now. If it's not in the podcast, no one cares. Cool. I, just, I can't think of the name of the ranch right now. Me neither. Um, but it's de- they're definitely connected to uh, Epic, and they're known primarily for bison. They do a lot of bison meat. It doesn't Epic have the. Um, like really clear pictures of animals on yes, the label, yeah, exactly. like a cow or a turkey or yeah, bison. They do a lot of bison. Hey, Steve. Hey, man, how you doing? This is my good friend, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi. 
fucking beautiful thing. That might happen during this That's process. It, we are, we are. This is not live, but this is. We're doing it live in the in the famous words of yeah. whatever his name was. Exactly. Is it okay for me to say hi to people? Of course. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I don't want to not do that. I, and I, we would never want you to not. Let's pretend that this is now the beginning of a podcast, and uh, we'll ask that you say uh, hello, what your name, and where we are. Hello. <laughs> Uh, my name is Hunter Berry, Hunter Daniel Berry, and uh, we are at Taco Billy in Asheville, North Carolina. And we are in the, uh, I want to say, new space at Taco Billy? Is yeah, we're in the new space, the, cool. uh, the new addition, the new dining room. And it's beautiful. Uh, I am looking at a wall filled with gorgeous framed, I don't know what era art, but beautiful farmhouse looking, and, and oh, there's a boat. So maybe it's not all farmhouses, but it's, it's, this is like a really cool space. We've been in love with Taco Billy since visiting Asheville. I have to say that Taco Billy was our very first meal that we had when we moved to Asheville. Like we landed and we were like, let's get tacos. And we like looked up. We're like, we're going to get tacos in Asheville. And like it just came up and we're like, let's do it. Yeah. I'm grateful you took a risk. Yeah. It was it was great. I can't remember what we had. I think there was like a fried chicken taco and the 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 Ella like Ella Fitzgerald or something. Is it the Billy Holiday? Billy maybe? Holiday. Well, wasn't so far, but the Billy Holiday. Close, the, <laughs> close, yeah. close enough. But yeah. we um, this was our first meal. We have loved the branding. We have loved the experience. We sat out on the back porch, had some mm-hmm. Topo Chico and some tacos. Um, and it is a privilege to be here with you today. Well, I appreciate y'all being here too. <laughs> and thank you for eating with us. Of course. And just, I just absolutely inhaled a breakfast taco. The Billy Holiday. This, so this is the Billy Holiday. Yep. Okay. There you go. So Wait. what's, what's the, okay, A, we're surrounded by a lot of goats in here. Yeah. And like the, the logo for Taco Billy is a, a goat and the name is Billy, which I, my gut says is Billy goat, but I could be wrong. What's the meaning behind the goat? What's the meaning behind Taco Billy? There's really not a meaning behind it. I was, um, I had several names in my mind. They were all Taco something uh, when I was living in Tulum. And I went to dinner with my old boss and a gentleman named Cameron Boyd who was building houses for us in the jungle. And uh, he suggested taco billy he's like you're moving to appalachia you should have like a billy goat wearing overalls and i was like i really like the way it sounds but i i don't want the slant of like hillbilly i don't want to offend anybody Mm -hmm. and that wasn't my inclination but just taco billy it just rolled off the tongue it sounded good and then a dear friend named will hornaday with hornaday design uh came up with our logo and once i saw the goat was just Basically, my name became Billy around town, um, but it just it worked, and it felt right, and we went with it. But there's no significant meaning. Yeah. That works, though. I think that there is that's, that's that's more angle than we even thought. I just I, I don't know if you I, I know that you've had a history of husbandry in some way or another. I wasn't sure if goats were ever a part of it, um, but no. Billy Billy Goat does seem to make enough of a connection, and then. Uh, yeah, it just felt right. Yeah, it, and it I does. Mean, everything it about so this right. experience has just felt right. 
it's been wonderful. Love that. And uh, we just actually came from coffee with Will. Uh, I, you we, know Will? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so we're, cool. we're part of the uh, Charlotte Street Business Association oh, yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Which is, a, is this town just keeps getting smaller the more time we spend here. And it's been a beautiful thing. And I do think that this specific logo, Taco Billy, um, and then the use of orange in the space and on the logo is just been like something that's really spoken to us. I'm wondering, it seems based on your last answer, it seems like a lot of this has been uh, feel based. How did you think about starting a taco place? How long has the taco? How long has Taco Billy been around? And like, what all? What all is going on? What, like, you it, just opened a new space. This is huge. This is feels I, like a giant thing. I'm a I'm a feeler. I kind of feel my way through most things. Uh, but it's definitely been a group effort. Um, the orange specifically is was picked out by my brother-in-law Ian Kasnoff, who is just super talented and incredible. It reminds me. So sorry, hold I'm on. about to lose it. <laughs> um, yeah, Ian came up here and. Um, he helped me pick up. He picked out all the colors. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> we could always hit Paul. This, this is... We're I'm, a, I'm a feeler. <laughs> yeah. the, the orange. I'm looking at a bottle of the Valentina Salsa Picante. The color seems really, really similar. It is. Uh, Ian walked in. I just, I just primed all the drywall. And... Uh, he got out his Pantone swatches, I guess you will, and just put up blue, uh, like that masking tape over, the, over there on the wall, mm-hmm. and just made a matrix. And uh, we went to the paint store and we bought like, you know, 20 different paint colors, and he just started painting squares. And then we sle- slept on it, and he woke up, and he's like, ah, I figured it out. You know, I had this dream, this Art Deco thing going on in Nashville, and these are the colors. And uh, it's part of the brand. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's that's our mark. That blue, orange, gray. Um, but along with Ian, it's just been all these people have just entered my life. And I uh, have helped this, made this thing. It happened. Yeah. I, first of all, I'm getting emotional looking, watching you get emotional. This is... Um, I think it's worthy of it. Seems like something really special is going on here. When did it all start? When were you putting up paint swatches? Was this two thousand? Uh, it was two thousand fourteen, I guess. We moved to we moved back to the states in two thousand fourteen. Um, we moved here July tenth, and I rented this building on that side over there. Um, I think I had a lease by the first of September. Oh, wow. uh, I was driving around town. It basically took like two weeks to move and get all of our stuff in order, or somewhat in order. And then I started looking for places, and I didn't know where to. I didn't know where to go. I didn't. I've never been to Asheville. Um, so, and one day I was driving around town with my youngest daughter Stella, and uh, we were on our way home. And she was like, "Dad, look, there's a for rent sign." Uh, so we pulled over. I put my head against that window. I've, I've replaced the glass. It's a new window, but um, called the number, talked to a guy named Lawrence Peterson, and he was like, well, you know, it's $500 a month, and I was like, I'll take it. 
That, um, seem, that seems fair. I don't, it, I don't it, know it, what it commercial It was very was. fair. <laughs> but I did have to rebuild the building. Okay. Um, including, like, all the plumbing and electrical and the roof. And that was it, was, it was a risk. But I felt that if if things worked, it would be a win in the long yeah. run. Yeah, I mean, and the location so, seems yeah, awesome. The, the location turned out to be great. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I mean, we're in one of the busiest parts of Asheville, and like I said, at that time, I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about this town. Yeah. Um, but the space just felt right, and um, it was so exciting to be like chasing a dream. Uh, but you asked earlier about you know, when did this, when was I thinking about it? For forever. When I had friends that left Texas and were moving somewhere um, and they didn't know what they were going to do, I always suggested open a breakfast taco, taco joint, you know, spread the good news of breakfast tacos. It'll work. And no one did it. And, um, you know, we went to Mexico for a year and then it turned into four. But after four years, it was just time to come back. And... Um, we did not want to go back to Austin, Texas, even though we loved it. We didn't want to go back and, like, move into our house and get jobs and do whatever after this crazy adventure. Um, so I was just like, I want to open a business. I want to open a taco restaurant. I want to spread the good news of breakfast tacos. Um, and started working on a business plan there in Tulum. At this restaurant called Charlie's is where I wrote my business plan. Charlie's daughter Morgana was my daughter's house's best friend. It was just a, a great atmosphere to, wow. to write. Um, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing with business plan. I like got online and ordered some business plan template, and it cost me like twenty bucks a month, uh, and just slowly filled it out over three or four days. Um, and then moved here, and like I said, things just unfolded. There's a there's a in the kitchen over there. There's a on the the control panel for the um, the hood system. There's a sticker of a guy sitting on a horse backwards, and it says everything is unfolding perfectly, <laughs> and it just sums up this whole experience. I love that. Yeah. So why? I know that you lived in Mexico for a while and in Texas too. I'm wondering, like, why tacos? Do you, do you remember the experience when you discovered what authentic tacos were? Or was there a restaurant or a taco stand somewhere that you remember really having an impact on you? I'm sure there was. Um, but nothing comes to mind as, like, being the taco the authentic mm. taco experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, growing up in Texas, you there's a lot of Mexican food. And it's different from authentic Mexican food in Mexico. Mm. Um, probably the first experience or association I remember with a breakfast taco was Taco Cabana in San Antonio, Texas. It was a ch- chorizo and egg taco. And I, it was just like love connection immediately. Yeah. Um, in Mexico, they don't really eggs are not a big. It's not typical for tacos. There's lots of egg dishes, but it's not a typical taco filling. And um, 
I think it was just it was more of a a Texas thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just growing up eating yeah. breakfast tacos. I mean, breakfast tacos are pretty much, in my opinion, the very best thing you could eat for breakfast. Um, Hard to it's just argue. Like pro, it's just a vehicle for protein punch. I and there's uh, like endless things you can put in them. Yeah. And the variation. Just enough tortilla to hold it. I mean, burritos too much tortilla, in my opinion. Um, they just work. The whole year that we were that we spent building this place, I don't know how many times I was like, I just want a breakfast taco, <laughs> and there's nowhere in town that sells them. Did That's, you? Would you make them at home? Did you have oh, a recipe? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I make them at home all the time. Um, they taste better here. There's something about the flat top. Mm. I'm like uh, in a dream future state. Uh, we have a kitchen that has a flat top mm. in it because I just it seems like the only way to make a really good breakfast egg breakfast thing is on a flat top. And I've never, I've only experienced eating from flat tops. And it, the the my scientific research says that they make better eggs than my pans. Yeah, they're they're fun too. If if you find yourself building a kitchen, I would definitely buy a range that had flat top a flat option. top. Dang. Mm. So we have a sense of what your backstory is. There's only so much of the backstory that I think we, we'd have a whole multiple podcast series of what, what has happened before you got to Asheville. But I'm wondering, the it's one thing to, to, and I think I know the business model plan template that you might have used. Um, it's one thing to spend time, sit in that. It's another thing to find a location to put whatever, I don't even know what the process would be, but put down payment on the space to start looking at ranges which you might have never done and kitchen supplies and what what was that process like is it a giant bank loan and you're just pulling against it to figure it out you said it took about a year before the maybe the lights came on or you had your first taco sold uh what happens in that first year of thinking about a restaurant well a lot of learning i didn't know what i was doing um i've never had a restaurant uh rob foster at blue ridge restaurant supply He's been, um, he's a, he's become a, a good friend now. But he he also was very helpful with my layout and design. Um, I basically walked in, and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna start a restaurant. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, what do I need?" Yeah, because I didn't know where to put the fryer or the the range or the oven or I knew I needed them. Yeah, but basically, Rob created a, the layout for me. Um, and then the architect kind of designed the space to some degree, but it's so small there wasn't a whole lot of design work to do. There was a lot more design on, on this side. Um, but it was just all these, like I said, everything unfolded. I just People entered my life that um, suggested things, yeah. and we tried them, and um, we've made some adjustments to the kitchen. We had to rebuild the whole building, and that was second nature. I mean, I'd, I've been in construction. Okay. Um, that was that was easy. I mean, it wasn't easy, but it was. I knew what to do. Um, but when it came to the, like the actual restaurant part, it was a steep learning curve. Uh, I mean, to the day we opened, we I decided I was talking to a friend named Michael Bolin who lives in um, Bar Harbor, Maine. We met in Mexico, but he's a restaurateur. He's got several nice restaurants up there. And I called him one day and was just like, it's just never ending. He's like, Hunter, you have to just open. 
He's like, don't forget to finish the things on your list, but you're never going to get them all. So just open. Oh, wow. And that was like on a Wednesday, and we opened Saturday. And literally, uh, a cook showed up at 6 o'clock that morning that I'd never met. But he was a friend of a friend in Austin, and I knew he understood tacos. Um, but we just, we just opened and uh, started, started doing it, and people showed up, and it was beautiful. Wow. And then we had the, uh, someone told me around 11 o'clock, hey, it's time for lunch. And um, we'd never done lunch before. I mean, hell, we'd never done breakfast before. Uh, but I was like, lock the door. We need to regroup for 20 minutes. So we literally locked the door and tried to figure out how we were going to prepare for lunch. But that's kind of how we started. It was just, we went for it. And, and still to this day, it's breakfast and lunch? It's breakfast and lunch. Um... I keep threatening dinner. I keep saying two weeks. Uh, I believe we will be serving dinner a couple days after Christmas. Okay. So by the time this comes out, this is a dinner spot. Yeah. We're going to be open till 9 o'clock. Nice. I have to note that one of the questions we got from our listeners, yeah, yeah, followers, was when are they going to be open for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) there you go. They're they're going to be open for dinner soon. Yeah, we have to be open for dinner um to pay for this yeah yeah when you have this this bar that we're sitting here and looking at um so i imagine that's going to be a big part of the, uh, yeah, the bar's going to be nice I mean, i've never had a bar so um, yeah. part of the reason it's not finished is, is i don't know what i'm supposed to do with it but um we're going to figure it out mm. and i think the neighborhood's going to like it yeah this this specific question was from someone who lives very close to here we've been so like just held and supported by the local community in this neighborhood. Probably the best thing that I've gotten out of this whole experience has been um, the fellowship that happens here and witnessing um, people connecting and talking and, you know, me learning about people's lives. I didn't know anybody when I moved here and now I know a whole lot of people and, um, I know what's going on in their lives, and it's it's just it's wonderful. Yeah, dang. And it's a fun business. At the end of the day, at at the end of the day, and I and I say this lovingly, having no idea of the work that you actually do, but it's it's tacos, right? Like, it's tacos. Yeah. And I I hope that that in some way, I mean that that's how I would want to try and model it it's like if i if if someone doesn't get the taco they want it's a taco it's a taco we'll make it right i imagine has that been the model like anything that you couldn't figure out is figure outable and you try and make people happy and at the end of the day it's tacos people like tacos and uh i think we have the we considered getting rid of the build your own taco because it's a total pain in the kitchen when some ticket comes back and there's like a paragraph of ingredients and People can be picky, um, but at the end of the day, we decided to keep it because people like to design their own, and we yeah. were, we're here to please, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think th- one of the things we noticed was like, wow, there are a lot of taco places in Asheville. This is not Texas. You know, this is in middle North Carolina. So we were really surprised seeing so many taco restaurants. Um, so it seems like you have to do something different like breakfast tacos or build your own taco to kind of differentiate yourself from 
other places in town. Um, but I'm wondering, what do you think makes the perfect taco? Like, what oh, characteristics? That's hard. Um, I mean, the, the tortilla is important. And then... Um, Corner flour, what, what's your standard? My standard? I don't, I don't know that I have a standard. Um, I personally probably eat more flour tortillas. Um, although our gluten-free, our gluten-free plantain tortilla is w- pretty popular. Mm-hmm. It's real fun. That's a whole nother podcast. Isn't that something? Yeah. Um, but I typically prefer the flour tortilla when I'm eating eggs. I think if the protein is a meat, I lean towards the corn tortilla. There's a wonderful family that, um, is in the tortilla business and, uh, they've delivered them to us every day. Oh, wow. I think in four years, they've probably missed maybe 10 days of delivery. And um, so eating the corn tortillas is also like a nod to them and supporting their business model. That's amazing. Which I really appreciate. Cool. So corn versus flour. I like that distinction on uh, corn for like animal meats and flour with eggs. I do find that I like... I like the idea of corn tortillas, but with a breakfast taco, I think flour is nicer. It's like something about like the steam coming off the eggs makes the flour super soft, and then if, it goes down fast. For me, it's it's about the, the texture. I really like the way that the flour tortilla kind of stretches as you bite it and breaks away, uh, where the corn tortilla is a little more Crumbly. crisp, if you will. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how we de- I just des- we designed the menu was around texture. I like texture is real important to me yeah. when I'm eating. And uh, I, I probably went through like twenty different tortillas, trying them out, and the one we we sell is the one that felt the best to me as I was eating it mm-hmm. and tasted tasted well. Love that. I'm wondering uh, in. And it seems like about the five years is that of of Taco Billy. What do you have any like operating guidelines that no. you try to uh, adhere to? Things um, that, as a business, not really. my manager would probably want to poke my eyeballs out. Um, I don't really. Is the quick answer. Um, I hope to be a really good restaurant operator at some point, but it's hard to know what you don't know. And um, like I said earlier, this has been a steep learning curve. I think restaurant operators like take inventory and look at numbers. I don't know which numbers to look at. Um, I mean, I'm not just like not looking at anything, uh, but I, I guess I figured out how to do what we do. Um, it's real simple, the, our model. Um, but I have a whole bunch to learn, and and want to learn, and I want to be better and. Sorry, I lost yeah. my words. No, no, it's, no, it's fine. And I, and I think um, when, when I ask uh, operating standards, I don't necessarily mean like, yeah, we run uh, a fridge assessment every Monday. I'm meaning more like um, we try and make people smile when they get to the register. We, um, we try always to do something a little quirky. Like all of these pictures have little baby orange goats in the middle of them. Like, are there things, like, the customer's always right? Or, no, the customer's not always right. My employees are always right. Like, what, 
what things like that, if anything, have you trended towards over the five years of being in business? What things have you learned maybe the hard way and now you know? I think that we've trended towards um, trying to make the experience uh, feel happy for customers. Um, when people can walk in this door to give us money and to buy food, we want to feed them real food that tastes good enough with real friendly service. And I want, and, and beyond that, uh, I want the people that work here to to have fun. I mean, they spend a lot of time here with me, and um, I want it to be a enjoyable experience. Um, and everything just, I mean, the little goats in the picture. Again, that was a, that was a friend. Kim Black gave me that idea, and at first I couldn't see it. I couldn't visualize it. Um, but now... Uh, People, you know, it's huge. It's part of our story. It will be in every talkability I open. I actually sold the painting last week to a customer who just had to have one. Um, I was like, okay, yeah. what's it worth to you? Uh, and she's like, I don't know. I don't spend a lot of money. I was like, well, how about 30 bucks? She was like, okay. I so, it, you know, it sold the painting. I was like, what are you going to do with this? Bathroom. You're going like, bra- to take the, the branding of the restaurant and put it in your living room. It's, you know, it's... It felt good. It was yeah. fun. Um, but it's been, I can't emphasize enough how much this has been a, a collective effort. Um, if I'm good at anything, it's connecting with people and knowing people. And um, I've put out all my feelers and sensors to everybody I've known on this whole journey. Like, what do I do? How do I do this? And people have just given me their input. And that's kind of been my approach to this whole thing. In your opinion, could you have done this if it hadn't been in Asheville? In my opinion, yeah, I think so. I think we could have done it about anywhere. But Asheville has been so supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, the community has I mean, just, they've, they've had our back the whole time. And I think that's very particular to Asheville. Yeah. I don't think all, I mean, all cities aren't like this. Um, <clears throat> it just, it's been, it's, it's been lovely. They've, uh, we survive on like locals. We get a lot of tourists coming here um, because Asheville's a tourist town, but, and there's like, there's local, I mean, I'm looking at people right now that I know that live right here. And that guy over there hung the drywall in this building. My friend Tim over there painted this whole room for trade, <laughs> for tacos. Amazing. I'll feed him probably for the rest of my life for free. Thank you, Tim. It's a beautiful room. Um, I love that, and I and I and I tend to. I, my gut it would be that I, I agree. I think that a well-executed concept of like we're going to crush tacos probably could survive most anywhere, but. There is something, it seems special, especially when you come in here. And we were, the first couple times we came in, we didn't know you, we didn't know anyone on the team, but we noticed that people knew each other, that like lunch meetings were happening here, that people like waved as other people came in and were like, oh, this is, this is kind of a spot. Like this is the, this is the thing. There's something happening here. Um, And that's kind of always, 
we keep seeing that in Asheville. But mm-hmm. when we were telling people, hey, we're going to go uh, to Taco Billy for an interview soon, everyone had, oh, my God, I'm o- always at Taco Billy. Oh, my God, I just had dinner with him. Or, oh, my God, we were there uh, two, two, two Tuesdays ago, and we sat for two hours. Um, that, feels, a, that feels really nice to hear. You've, you've done something. This is a special thing. and so I, We've done something. It's not, you know, it's been a group effort. Love that. Couldn't have done it without all these people. So I'm curious to know more about. I know that you said a lot of this is just sort of unfolded, and it seems pretty organic in the the growth or the popularity of Taco Billy. But have you thought about marketing? Is there something that you have done marketing wise that you think has helped your business become successful? Um, lots of things are coming to mind. I think the best the best thing we've done with regards to marketing um, have been giving away stickers. Uh, our stickers, I see our stickers all over the place. Um, they're on water bottles, they're on cars, it's... I don't understand why businesses charge for their stickers because it's like free advertising. But I also think about um, my business plan, the one I wrote in Charlie's Restaurant in Tulum. And uh, in that plan, it was really fun to revisit the plan after like a year or two. Um, it was in the plan I wrote that I wanted it to be word of mouth. I wanted people to talk. To me, that's the most powerful marketing strategy that you can create if you can and um, we don't really spend money on advertising Um, there hasn't been any money really to spend on advertising we've spent like probably $4,000 on stickers over the last four years Um, it's not so bad yeah right but I mean I see them um, people talk about it's it's it's, it was just really fun to revisit the, the, my business plan and see, like, oh, yeah, I've, one day I decided that I wrote, I wrote what I wrote, and, and it's actually happened. Yeah. And, um, yeah, people are t- talking about it, and, you know, they share it, and what's more powerful than, than that? You can't buy that. Um, another thing we did was we did not talk to the newspapers um, until, like, the week before we opened. So the week that we opened... Uh, two two newspapers in town came in and did stories on us, and um, that you know that the timing couldn't have been better for those articles to come out. Um, but the sticker, yeah, the stickers, love that are are, are huge. I have customers um, that travel and send me pictures like from Paris or Spain and. They've just placed a sticker somewhere and they took a picture next to it. And it feels so good <laughs> to see those. And I remember the, f- the first sticker I saw uh, on a car was probably about three months after I opened. And it was like two in the morning. I was going home. I'd like, you know, just finished cutting potatoes and like washing dishes. I remember like thinking, one day I won't be doing all this. Um, but exited off 240 on the Charlotte and pulled up behind a car and they had a Taco Billy sticker on their bumper and I just lost it. Um, I was like, that's, that's my baby and someone just put it on their car. 
felt so good. Yeah. That's really... I, I'm i glad that the validation... I imagine, uh, like having a baby, though I've never... We've never had, had a baby, but they say it's like there are parts that drive you to the edge and then the tiniest thing changes and you get like a little bit more, you know, energy and you go until you're at your wits end and then a tiny thing changes and like you get to sleep for the first time and it's been three months and then um I'm, is speaking of it like a baby are there moments like that where you're like i just couldn't peel potatoes at night again and then you have enough to hire someone to do that or you make it to the no next I, never, milestone. I never reached that point and um i have four daughters and so there's no comparison <laughs> Between this restaurant and my daughter's, um, you talk about your babies, but yeah, I know you you peel potatoes because you get to you have the opportunity to do so. There's no not doing it. It has to be done. Get to versus have to is a huge distinction, and I love that that is something that you seem to subscribe to as well. Sorry. No, it's I need, a. I need a second. It's a beautiful thing. I love how honestly this is a. The emotion is is a very special thing, um, and so take as much time as you'd like. I will ask a question that will fill some of this air. One of the thoughts that I had when you first mentioned the business model plan or the plan is that there's a fun saying that like uh, plans don't matter, but planning does, right? So it's like. You can write a plan. It won't mean anything once you actually get into the thing. But taking the time to think about a plan is a helpful activity. Do you, when you looked back on it, does that sound true to you? It's like, oh, I had no idea what I didn't uh, know. Oh, yeah. But I'm glad I did it. Yeah, I'm not, um, <clears throat> I'm not an organized person. Uh, it's definitely not my skill set. Um, neither is writing a business plan. But I'm really good. I went through the motion. Um, and beyond writing the plan on my own, I went to um, a class uh, offered in town by Mountain BizWorks, which is just a great organization. And they it was a business plan writing course, essentially. And they really helped me fine-tune the numbers part and gave me a better understanding of it. Um, while I didn't necessarily use the business plan um, as a tool when I was building this, I did use it for conversations with potential lenders and um, just kind of sharing what I was doing with people. You asked me earlier about, I think, what all went into this. How do you just do it? Um, and to be an open book, I I refinanced my house in Texas <clears throat> and pulled some money out. And we basically lived on that. Uh, some of it went into this. But, you know, I didn't have an income for 15 months. Wow. Um, and I got a loan from a really wonderful couple that I met in Mexico. And then I got a, a family loan as well. But it was those three points that we, you know, we used to open this. Um, I think we spent about $130,000 to open the building, to open the restaurant. And that included rebu- essentially rebuilding the space. It sounds like... It sounds like my guess was a little bit right. It was a worthwhile yeah. activity, but it wasn't like you were using it as mile markers. I uh, reached the second phase of my plan. Right, yeah. I mean, you can plan all day, and then um, at the end of the day, you're not in control of anything. Right. 
um, things just happen. Uh, it was nice to have, you know, a li- I, I don't know how many lists I made, and I'm not really a list person, but I they are effective tools. Um, but I made a plan, and we just kind of, but at the end of the day, we just kind of did what was needed. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I didn't know what that was until the day started, and then we tackled it. Um, sometimes I wish I was more organized, but um, I'm, it feels good knowing what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Yeah. And there's people that have showed up. For example, Devin, my manager, um, she lived next door to uh, one, my ex-wife, one of my ex-wife's best friends and a good friend of mine, too, and overheard... Uh, all the things that I wasn't good at and she was like well I'm pretty good at those things <laughs> so she showed up <clears throat> and was like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna work for you and this is my job oh, description wow. and she's been my right hand in this you know entire operation that's amazing that's amazing uh, you seem really in tune with being able to delegate tasks to other people in the sense that you know, you keep saying this is a community effort. This isn't just me. This is a whole group of people. I think that's a hard thing for a lot of business owners to do because they, you know, we have people that are like, no, I, I want it to be my way. It's got to be perfect. And they have a hard time delegating. Um, but how, how have you felt about that? Was it just something that you just did naturally? Or did you really have to try to say like, okay, no, this is not something I need to be doing. I should be delegating this to somebody else. I think in the beginning, um, it, it was natural. I was here. I mean, I was. I worked 100, 110 hours a week for the first two years. So there really wasn't a question of delegating because I was always here. And I just made the decisions. Um, but it's, it's hard to delegate sometimes. Um, I have struggled with... Keeping people accountable is something I need to work on. Um, I've, I'm, I have a really laid-back attitude, and sometimes that sneaks is nice, but sometimes it sneaks up and bites you. Um, I think a lot of my employees have become really comfortable because I don't keep them accountable enough. <clears throat> um, but it, no, it's it's something that I have to be very active about in my approach because I'm not a uh, I'm not really a delegator mm-hmm. but it has just kind of everything's just kind of happened here and right. the, the, the restaurant the employees the culture has just I guess I've led it um, and built it but it's been a group effort mm-hmm. it's just kind of been created it's yeah. just happened who and then sometimes I'm, I'm real happy with that and then sometimes like oh I need to like have tighter reins on this um, at the end of the day, it is a business, um, but I want it to be more than, I mean, a business sounds boring. Um, I want it to be an experience, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning, they're learning. And, and I think to your point on the experience, I want to circle that back to your marketing portion of your business plan, which was word, word of mouth, and that you pointed out that the stickers have been probably the best vehicle for marketing in the last four years. Um, 
I, I, we certainly subscribe to the, the truth that probably the best marketing is being remarkable, like providing reason for someone to remark about you, your business, the experience in your business. Um, and so it's, I, I would say on the outside looking in, it seems like you've created a lot of opportunities for people to remark about their experience here yeah. from the beauty in the space, from the quality of the, the food, which is fantastic, um, to the people and to like the energy in the space. That's all uh, inherently remarkable, no matter how you got there, backwards, forwards, intentionally, it was on the plan, it wasn't on the plan. Um, there's something remarkable happening. And I think that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you don't necessarily need advertising. Advertising and being remarkable are two wildly different things. Because it's not just the stickers, right? Like, I think, I know you said the stickers have helped, but I don't think a, a business should just be like, Taco, you know, Hunter said, <laughs> buy a bunch of stickers. That's going to be my best marketing tool. So that's what I'm going to do. Like, it's not going to work for every business. It works for you because you've created something that people are like, yeah, I want to stick this sticker on the back of my car or on a pole in Paris somewhere. I don't know. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, thank you, first of all. Um, yeah, thank you. It's, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I guess I don't it know wasn't really a question. Was. It was yeah. just a, a comment. And, and it is yeah. a little bit of a perfect storm because, you know, this, it, Sarah, I think you hit on something exactly right. Uh, hey, everyone, don't just go run out and, and buy a bunch of stickers, though stickers are sweet, and we just bought some stickers. But, um you know, it's a, it's, it is a bit of this perfect storm because if if you used Times New Roman font and, and it said ta- Taco Billy, probably not going to get stuck on places, but you have like this sick negative space Billy Goat and the fonts are cool and orange is always exciting for like human eyeballs. And so, it, and then they had this incredible meal and experience and all of that gets tied up into the sticker. So Sarah, you hit something even more right, which is, Let's not all go run out and get stickers. Maybe let's think about the brand and let's think about being remarkable and then giving people a way to remark. It, it just, it just, it happened. It happened. And uh, again, it was, you know, it, you say sticker. I'm looking at it. It's that's Will Horner, Will and Amy Hornaday. Yeah, we just um, had breakfast. So funny. Like I said, people just showed up and things unfolded. Um, in the times that I've been happiest in life have been when I felt like I had a, a vision or a, a, a purpose something to chase and uh, I went for it and when you're going for it if there's nothing there's not really a, a, a better feeling yeah. um, and then Billy has definitely been one of those times where I was like this is what I'm going to do and you just you go do it and there's nothing that stops you and it feels wonderful to, you know it's hard but it feels Overall, it's incredible. Yeah. And I, you know, when I'm interviewing, pe- although Devin interviews more people now, but when I'm interviewing potential employees, I always ask them, what do you want to do with your life? Like, what do you, what do you really want to do? I know you don't, you don't want to work at a taco shop. That was my thing. But what do you want to do? And um, I want to encourage people to go chase their dreams just because that's where I've felt most fulfilled and happy. And I want other people to feel that too. Yeah. Um, back to the food, though. Uh, 
We buy really good ingredients. It's just real simple food that tastes good enough, uh, but it's it's like real food. And I don't think that we experience that every day now. There's just so much, so many food products out there. But yeah, let, I mean, our let's... eggs were laid last week. Those potatoes were peeled this morning. I mean, it's the sausage is from a pig that was grown about 20 miles away. It's just real simple, real food. And that's something that um, was very apparent in Mexico. Um, we ate out a lot on the street in taco carts and stuff because they're everywhere. But it's just real food. It's like meat and tortillas and vegetables. And that's it. And uh, that's essentially what we're trying to do here with a little more creativity. Yeah, and I, one of the things that I that stuck out to me just from your website was the number of local producers, sustainable producers that you source a lot of your ingredients from. Um, yeah, that's, that, was, that was important. It was important to me. We probably don't do a good enough job, aside from the website, of like telling people about that. Um, which I guess I could maybe justify higher prices or something, but um, it's going back to, you know, 20 years ago, when I was, you know, crawling around chicken shit and feeding chickens was, it's back to the roots. So, you know, we're, we, you, you buy good stuff to support that movement. Um, it seems crazy that we're even talking about that. Um, as that in, the movement has got you know the, the like food is not food anymore, that it's like product. Yeah. Um, but I think it's I want to eat well, and I want other people to eat well. I eat here every day. I want to eat good food. Yeah, that reminds me of um, something that Michael Pollan said in one of his books. I can't remember which one it was, um, but he I think he started out the book saying eat good food and then he said well, let me define food, food. Right. and then he went on to say you know food is not this processed stuff this is something that is whole and it's you know comes from the earth and so on and i think that's a, a important distinction to make that i think more and more people are more aware of it now but um if it were on your great grandmother's plate, she would need to know yeah. what it is. Is food right? Is like one of the ways he he kind of coached through defining food, and it seems like everything here, though, like incredibly crispy fried chicken and spe- like I'm sure all of the recipes I'm sure are like thoughtful, and you might pickle your own pickled things, but like at the end of the day, it's that's it's a creative combination of flavors, all real food, right. For the, yeah, for the most part. So do you eat tacos every day? Uh, probably so. I've started eating more bowls of food instead of the taco. But I, may, but I go in and out. I pretty much eat a taco probably every day. I know that for sure I had two yesterday. <laughs> I haven't had one yet today, but I probably will. We're gonna. I, I hope we correct for that after after we turn off the mics. We'll get you a taco. Um, I love that. And um, so, just uh, to kind of round out, I guess the food um, portion of this. Is there anything about uh, becoming a restaurant? Or it's one thing to open a restaurant. It's another thing to like 
become a restaurant and whether or not you have systems, it seems to be a finely tuned uh, orchestration that's happening behind us. Um, when you think about food today, after five years of being a restaurant owner, is it different at all from when you started? Hmm. Um, probably a, a little. Um, I mean, I have a much greater understanding of of what goes into this type of operation. Um, and not just like what happens here, but like all the different people that I buy from, that I interact with. Um, there's a lot of effort that goes into preparing food. It's touched so much from the time you buy it and you unload it and then you wash it and then you cut it and then you store it and then you cook it and then you sell it. It's just, um, I, I think I feel a little different going out to eat now and, um, I mean, I've, I've always worked in the service industry. I've always, I feel like I always had like a second or third job, which was usually in a restaurant. Um, but I have now, I mean, even more of a greater appreciation for this industry. And what all, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. It's just, it's it's a lot. Yeah, heard. So uh, maybe you have a fun and crazy backstory. We typically say, where are we today? How did we get here? What all of the winding road that's led you to Asheville would you care to share? Hmm. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is Earthships. Yeah. So I'll just, without giving I mean, away. My email is Earthships at Gmail. <laughs> okay. I, I, I got a Gmail back when they were trading them on Craigslist. I didn't even know what a Gmail was. was like, what is this freaking Gmail thing? So in comes, in comes an email from earthship at gmail.com, and it's just like, hey, I was told I should reach out to you about the podcast. And I was like, what is an earthship? Mm-hmm. And who, who is like, who Yeah, is I, can, I can dork out on that. So um, earthships. I spent a year building earthships in Taos, New Mexico, and it was probably one of my most favorite years. Maybe define more, terms. More important than <laughs> earthship is... Uh, I think just the people in my life. I mean, they've the airship experience was fun, but thinking of my my girls and friends, and they've shaped they've shaped this story more than anything else. I'm real grateful. What a oh, so Hunter, like you look at look at you, and you got this big like I can't grow facial hair. So whenever someone has facial hair, I'm like that's a man, right? And I love how, emo- <laughs> like, I don't see that being emotional and being manly are the exact same thing. I love how emotional you've been through this conversation. I think that's really special and beautiful. And, um, dang, okay, so. I'm sappy. It is, it's, you're a feeler. I, I'm a feeler. I, I, I love this. Like, I feel connected to you in, in this. Um, and just to maybe keep things lighter what is I, a I like, earth ship I, like the heavy stuff. I know i know uh, an earth ship so an earth ship is a house how does mike say it um i think he says it's the ship that will keep you afloat on the seas of tomorrow mm. but basically it is a uh, it's a house that basically has an interaction with the natural phenomena of your experience on this planet 
which being weather largely, with the sun and the rain and temperature shifts. Uh, it's a house built out of recycled materials, largely tires. The tires are filled with earth, and they become like 300-pound bricks, and they form the main structure of the house. And typically, they're south-facing, at least on this part of the hemisphere, um, to receive a lot of solar gain, solar, solar energy, which um, that was my path for about 10 years was uh, the solar electric industry. Um, when I cut my teeth living off grid and Taos in an airship. But basically the house, uh, it just performs. It uh, collects water. It collects energy from the sun. It's converted to electricity th- via solar modules. Uh, takes care of all of its own sewage. grows food off your water that you shower with. Um, it basically stays stable from a temperature perspective. Uh, with the solar gain and operable windows and skylights. And it's just, it's a very simple concept. And it's beautiful and fun to to live in. I mean, who doesn't want to walk into their house and have, like, banana trees and bougainvilleas, you know, right next to their kitchen? Um, M- like, multiple rooms. It's one thing, I, I think my my mind kind of goes to, like, this is a... Like a like a hobbit home, kind of built into land. Yeah, it's funny. People call them hobbit homes, okay. or earth homes, because a lot of them are bermed into the into the earth. But the earth is very stable, and once you dig down about a meter, um, the earth's temperature stays around sixty eight degrees. And you tap into that, and you build your house into it. It just kind of transfers into the walls, because the walls have so much thermal mass. They're very resistant to change. So you don't need a whole lot of heating and cooling. Uh, 68's pretty comfortable yeah. year-round. I have a... Um, somewhere I have a video of um, my daughter Taos. Uh, we, we were living in Taos. Uh, she was probably a year old, and she's crawling around on a concrete floor in our earthship, wearing a cloth diaper, probably trying to eat dog food or something. Um, and it was five degrees outside, and there's no heater in our house, and she's comfortable in that cloth diaper, yeah. which is just evidence of how well they perform. I think once you step into an Earthship, your your life's changed. Uh, I don't know if you've been in one. No, I, I didn't know what it was until my, you emailed I mean, me. When I first walked into one, um, I, I knew that it was going to be a part of my life, and a year later I was living in that exact same house. Uh, and then build, and building them is Asheville a like a worthy possible? Yeah, earth the whole ship? planet is. I mean, you can build them anywhere. So, is there? Do you know of any? Like, is there an Earthship community nearby that exists? There's no community. Uh, I think that I've heard of a couple um, that are here. I haven't seen one. Okay, I'd like to build one. I was talking. I was actually talking to an architect last night about. Um, how I plan to build an airship here. Cool. Um, and, it, and it'll be a you know somewhat of a community effort. I'll have it'll be a workshop, and um, a lot of it's about education too. Actually, my my kind of end goal with Talkability love it um, was to originally I was like I'm going to open now I want to open ten stores in ten years. That was my goal, and then I want to either sell it or. Maybe my kids run it or employees or something. But I wanted to go back to Chiapas, Mexico. 
and start an Earthship like academy, and uh, more so than that, just build small Earthships for people. Chiapas is probably the poorest state in Mexico. And it's one of the there's areas in the state that are the poorest in all of Central and South America. Wow! And um, there's people there that are cold and don't have clean water. Yet it rains like two meters a year. Um, so there's plenty of rain to catch. And um, but I want to get back to the whole sustainability deal. I mean that was like my first passion. First passion. There's an Earthship poster in my bathroom. Uh, that's an educational piece. Um, well, yeah, so great. even in this, you know, selling tacos, I want to get back to to doing what I started doing. Would you ever create a Earthship taco shop? Um, I don't know about that. Probably not, but maybe. Who knows? I want to build the Earthship more to live in. Yeah. Rather than run the business out of... Hmm. I love that. So interesting. Who knew? I didn't know anything about Earthships until um, Tony sort of briefed me on talking with you about it and your email and all that. And it's, it's been really fun to learn about. I'd love to learn more. Yeah, you should go to Taos, New Mexico, and take a tour. We'll, we'll it's, a, we it's, a, it's a magical, magical place. I think people call it a, a vortex, maybe. That's awesome. It's kind of like Tulum. Mm. Mm. Kind of like Asheville. It's another magical place. Yeah. yeah. I feel pretty grounded here. Yeah. What other things do you like doing in Asheville? Um, I like hanging out with friends. Um, oh, I recently started playing tennis huh. last February, and I cannot get enough of mm-hmm. tennis. It's just mm-hmm. such a fun sport. Um, and I like walking and like eating and drinking. I like to go out and... Mm-hmm. Wine and dine. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of my favorite activities. Same. <laughs> any um, any favorite, I guess, cl- it, it's probably interesting being in the industry, but like if friends come in, let's say you have friends come down from, you, you mentioned friends in Maine and then in Toulouse. If friends come to visit, like what would be like the guided tour or the, hey, I'm working all day, do some of these things. These are cool. Hmm. What what fits your list? Well, hi. Uh, the Wedge Brewery. It's, you know, it's like probably my favorite place to drink a pint. And that's and the Wedge Wedge or the in, wedge wedge. in the foundation? Yeah. Okay. The, wedge the OG. Yep. Um, there's so many good places to yeah. eat. But one of my favorites right now is um, it's called Wild Ginger. Mm. It's way south. It's kind of inconvenient to where I live. But their pork bami me is one of the best things I've eaten in Nashville. So I try to take people there. Um, I like to go to Little B. Thai. It's funny, at Little B. Thai, they have a refrigerator that my boss from Mexico gave me. It's like a bonus gift when I, when I left the company. And then I sold it, and they bought it. Um, so it's fun to go in there and see that refrigerator because it brings up so many memories. But their food's excellent. Um, I really like going to hot springs mm. and walking along the Laurel River. And it's like a just real simple, nice hike. And then taking a dip in the hot springs. Um, and then eating in Marshall at the um, 
Star Diner. Mm. If you haven't been there, Not you, really, yet. you really need to go. In fact, you ought to just go hike the Laurel, reserve a hot tub, and then go to Marshall and eat the Star Diner. It's a I great day. Yeah. It sounds like a fantastic day. So we were, we kind of have heart eyes is how we say it for Marshall. We've been up there a bunch for like these little community days. They did an art fair not long ago. Um, Third Thursday Marshalls. Third Thursday Marshalls. Uh, it seems like a, and we haven't eaten in town enough. We we just, I don't remember the name of the place. Well, there's now. only like, there's only like, like four <laughs> places. three places to eat from, but right. um, we ate at Sweet Monkey, I think, is the, was that the name of it? Something Sweet like Monkeys? That. It's a, they do pizzas and it's like a one chef operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I know that It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But Star, Di- Star Diner, you want to, um, you need to get a reservation. reservation. They have like 10 tables or mm-hmm. something. Cool. In fact, the last time I ate there was with that lady sitting right over there. That's Good so funny. Dear friend of mine, my tennis partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So speaking of tennis, have you ever uh, played pickleball or heard of pickleball? I have not played pickleball yet, but... Yeah. Um, Last night was talking about pickleball with a good friend of mine who I've, I've done some uh, river trips with, mm-hmm. and they built a uh, there's a pickleball court in his neighborhood. And I was asking him if to come play tennis with me, he's and like he's pickleball. like I can't because he had he like broke his wrist and had mm-hmm. major surgery. He's like I can't do the tennis, but I can do the pickleballs. It's more like ping pong. Um, I have not played yet, but I'd really like to try it out. I got I got a feeling that you, you'll love it if you like tennis. So I like the idea of tennis. I only played tennis in like grade school for gym class, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I would always hit like home runs, right? Like I would just yeah, send just send the ball. I'm like, how did that happen? How do people have control in this? Played pickleball. Sarah's mom loves pickleball. Oh my God, She's my got a sticker on her car. Speaking of like stickers on people's cars. Somebody who invented pickleball would, like, cry when Sarah's mom drives by with, like, I heart pickleball stickers. <laughs> that call, You know, so um, we played. And, I, you know, I'm not, like, a racket sport. I've never really yeah. done racket sports. It was so fun. And I'm not good at ping pong because that's yeah. also micro skill. Like, your hand needs to be perfect. But there's, like, margin of error that's big enough. The space is small enough. It's a quick game, though. It's very it? quick. It's fun. Quick game. But, but we were also expecting, like, you know... It's a very popular sport among the older community, let's just say, like, retired community. And so, while there were a lot of people out there that were older, you know, we had so much fun. Like, we were like, we can't wait to play again. Like, this should be a sport that everybody plays, no matter your age. But it's sort of. Yeah, I I got a feeling you. I I would love to. If you do get an invite to a pickleball game, I'd love to be there and and try and and play with you. I've never. So I played with just Sarah, her mom, and like maybe someone else, her friend. and her friend. Yeah, and kick their butts. Yeah. So like I would, I'd love maybe just a slightly younger crew to play with, just to see what it's like when I'm competitive. I have to imagine you yeah. would be. Like I think you would be, and I would love to see that. I'd love yeah. to try. Yeah. But pickleball, so fun. Who knew? Who knew that we were talking about pickleball right. today? Anyway, we went on this really long tangent of pickleball and tennis. Um, yeah, but tennis. I it's just like it's it's I'm. I don't regret not playing it earlier. I mean, I went to summer camp to play tennis. Yeah. But I never, pl- I don't, I hit the ball outside of the court all the all time. All the time. But now I can actually rally. Yeah. I mean, I can't serve very well, but it's mental, it's physical. Yeah. And you can go anywhere in the world and find a tennis court. For sure. And it's a forever sport. So that's why this thing, I, I, and I will try and get off pickleball soon, listener, sorry. But like with pickleball, we, 
Yeah, I thought it was fascinating because the hardest part, which is the serve in tennis, in my in my non-professional opinion, is it's an underhand serve, right? So it's like it's the easiest version of a serve. Game almost works exactly the same way. Um, I don't I don't care enough to teach scoring, but like it's underhand serve, so that part's easy. And then there was a guy in the in the court next to us who seemed like he was about 100 years old and seemed like he was a sick tennis player at one point and probably, like, can't play tennis because he just can't cover the ground anymore. Right. But he was a savage playing pickleball because yeah. he was still, like, lanky, and he, like, controlled... Like, he hit these balls perfectly exactly where he wanted, and, like, he was having younger people on the other side just, like, run around. It was so interesting. But he couldn't play tennis anymore, I Right. Think. So I, I well, find the court's it, a little smaller. The court's a lot smaller, a lot more forgiving. Like uh, a little bigger than Foursquare. Bi- substantially bigger than Foursquare. Yeah. It's like um, it's like half of a tennis court or half of a half tennis court. Yeah, I think half of think a tennis fair. court sounds fair. Yeah. And yeah, everything's condensed. Everything's condensed. It's like uh, I would say it's it's about half of a basketball court, mm-hmm. and then you turn it on its side. Right. So you're and going, they will. You, they'll like put them on. They'll like, do it on basketball courts. Over basketball courts to make. Yeah, I've seen the stripes on tennis court, and, and, and it's yeah. like on one yeah. side. It's going the other way, exactly. Right. Anyways, pickleball. We and so, and so, uh, <laughs> the other question. So the the other question that I, I wanted to try and ask was: so we know now the long game is um, get back into sustainability, maybe into Earthships education. And you mentioned this goal of 10 locations, 10 years. I'm wondering, what do you think when you think 2020? Like, what are you trying to get done? You just opened this new space. Um, what are some milestones, targets for 2020? Right now, it's finishing this space and getting it open. And um, I would mentioned earlier about not really knowing what I was doing with the restaurant. I, I, the 2020, I want to become a more proficient restaurant operator um i want to just fine-tune what we're doing here and and prepare the model for um replication yeah replication i don't want to open i mean we're going in the year five now um so we're almost we're halfway at that 10-year goal which it was just a goal i don't i'm not like steadfast holding to it um but I see this year being uh, preparation for building this business. Yeah. Um, and in addition to the the restaurant, uh, we're starting a tortilla company. Uh, so I'd like to build that up this year as well. Mm-hmm. We're going to produce a well, our gluten-free plantain tortilla. But I've got a lot to learn with just packaging and labeling and, you know, how is how to how to scale up a handmade product. Yeah. And uh, the first thing we did was, you know, we bought an oven and built a space to produce them. And there's okay. probably 400 tortillas in the walk-in right now, ready to be sold. Um, but, yeah, this year is going to be about fine-tuning and building a tortilla business and preparing for opening more Taco Billies. Love it. And uh, my, my gut says that the... Uh the growth would be kind of nonlinear to begin with. It wouldn't be if you can open the second one. Uh, my gut says you can open three and four with using the same thing, and then you now have four. 
to go four more wouldn't would be about probably as crazy as opening the second one after only having one. But well, I don't. I, I mean, definitely that's, don't. That's know. what. That's that's how I feel. I think uh, number two, number three will be probably the hardest. I mean, the first one was the hardest. Yeah. Uh, but I think after there's three, we can have a like a commissary, a kitchen, and um, start you know cooking bigger batches of proteins for all the restaurants that way it's real consistent um and then i think opening more will be easier yeah there'll be more revenue there'll be you know i can pay people more we can hire people that are experienced and um although i really you know i want to hopefully people that have been here since day one will grow grow into those roles um yeah i agree with you i think after we open a couple more It'll be easier. We want to keep the concept as it is and simple. And um, what do they say? Keep it simple, stupid kiss. Yeah, kiss. Grandpa always says that. And then uh, what I've recently heard, which and I like it, is uh, keep it stupid simple. So keep it stupid simple. Like as simple as you possibly can make it. Keep it that simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then no one's being uh, called names also. Right. Which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> but my grandpa likes it. Yeah, if, likes I was, the original. if I was to open another restaurant, it would probably just be like one thing. Like, we sell chicken. And that's all we do. Like grilled chicken. Um, but right now I'm going to focus on, hey, Miguel, uh, just growing this business. Love it. Cool. Um, any other things that we want to check off the, of our mental model list? Yeah, if, if we had a magic wand... Or mm. someone in our audience had a magic wand. What one thing would you ask for? It could be anything. Anything. It could be something personal. It could also be something related to Taco Billy. Um, people have gone deep and wide with this one. So are you? Are you? We have a magic wand. Are you asking me if I had a magic if wand we, presented to me? What mm-hmm. would I wish for? Yeah, exactly. Genie That's in a, a bottle. Big question. question. Yeah, mm. and it, this is a is a is a snapshot of this moment in time this morning. Yeah, it's not like what I would do for humanity no. or right now. You, you're dying for a breakfast taco. Fine answer. Yeah, that's that's a big one. There's a there's a friend I'd like to see right now. That's probably if I had one. If, yeah, if I had a magic wand, I would wish someone to be sitting here next to me right now. It's a beautiful thing. We'll send uh, energy to make that happen. By the time this comes out i hope that uh somehow the the magician that we borrow the wand from can make that so the other question that is always uh a staple is when you think about community and Asheville, those two words what pops up in your mind uh different faces walking in that front door that's the first thing that came to my mind. It's yeah. just like mm-hmm. the people that I've met through this restaurant. Yeah, there's definitely a special community here that we can tell from just watching you and greeting people come through the door. That seems to be very present. I mean, that guy standing over there by the door, um, he let me test drive his car the other day. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, and we don't really know each other. I mean, we know each other from here. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm car shopping right now as my truck scares me. Um, and he happened to drive the kind of car I was interested in. And I was like, hey, what year is that? And he's like, 
it's 2002. You want to drive it? And I was like, yeah. So we drove around the block. <laughs> I love that. Is That's there anything cool. that you think is missing from the Asheville community? Hmm. Mm. I mean, nothing like... Earthships. Nothing strikes me. Yeah. Earthships, yeah, but they're coming. Um, I feel pretty content here. There's... Asheville's pretty rad. <clears throat> Sometimes I wish it was hotter in the summer. I like to go swimming when it's really hot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's here when you go swimming, it's still kind of cold. But I really enjoy the four seasons. <clears throat> but, yeah, nothing really screams at me that's missing. Uh Tortillas, pl- plantain. Plantain tortillas, yeah, but they're <laughs> At <here>. scale, <laughs> but they're here. <laughs> they're coming. Oh, I, Tex-Mex. I really would like to eat more, like, cheese enchiladas with chili con carne mm. that you don't find here. Is that happening on the dinner menu when the dinner, dinner actually you happens know, it's here? it's been requested. <clears throat> um, Will, who made the logos, like, when are you going to do it? And Amy, his wife, like, when are you going to sell enchiladas? Because they're I don't they're really Texas know guy. how to make them. Okay. <clears throat> like they taste in Texas. Um, I know someone who does. I'm probably going to ask him soon. But I don't, you know, I'd love to serve them. Um, it, sounds, it feels like a different restaurant, though. Yeah. I really want to be S- staying good about keeping it simple. And um, people ask me, what are you going to put on the dinner menu? And I'm like, the same thing. It's, it's working right now. Why, why complicate it? And people also don't understand, um, you know, what all goes on in a restaurant. I mean, if I add one thing to the menu, it's, it's a chain effect. I mean, it's how do you receive it? How do you store it? How do you hold it on the line? How do you keep the right temperatures? It's, yeah. There's a lot of layers to it. Um, we'll probably add a fish taco and a salad. Mm. Fish taco is a whole other podcast, too. <laughs> Podcast and tacos. Telling you, we're going to start a new podcast. Oh, nice. Is that the instruction manual? <laughs> I just bought that margarita machine from him. Beautiful thing. I can't wait to uh, He's investigate. He's another restaurateur friend of mine. Y'all should well, interview him. Love to. Make, well, Thank you. He does look good in the hat. You have a. Uh, you, you can't see it, listener. Uh, we don't have video yet on the podcast, but Hunter's wearing a badass hat right now. Gorgon Bros. will link to it. Thank Shoppable you. link. It looks we'll get really a picture great. of them. Yeah. Don't worry. I bought it this past summer on the way to the Salmon River. Cool. With my river family. So it sounds that's like, a whole other podcast. It, yeah, I was going to say it sounds like you have like a like a at least is it like a guys trip every year or like a. But fortunately, there are women on the trip. Women, yeah. Um, I think I would feel uncomfortable if it was just guy. I'm so used to the feminine energy. You know, having yeah. four daughters and three sisters. Um, there's about 30 of us. Oh, wow. And every two years, we um, pick a river and and have major serious fellowship. And oh. it's just ridiculous fun. Love it. Being out in nature. Well, we look forward to future podcasts, perhaps on future ideas like tacos and uh, tortillas and floating rivers. Um, and earth ships and earth ships for sure earth ships now uh, and daughters the, and daughters the next and only real thing that i think uh we need to ask is how would our listeners 
find you either in person or online uh, here at Taco Billy? Um, well, our website is tacobillyashville.com, I believe. Uh, and I'm often here, so I guess just come by. <laughs> right on. Look, look for the, the friendly guy with the beard, um, and we'll tag all of the other accounts, uh, Instagram, for example, will be on the show notes page. Thank you so much for having us this morning. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. And that was episode 37 with Hunter Berry of Taco Billy. Man, I, uh, what a teddy bear. What a freaking, like, gorgeous human. I am all in on Hunter and on Taco Billy. Yeah, and I have to say that a couple of people actually recommended that we interview Hunter. So we're really hoping that we're scratching that itch for some of you who have maybe wondered, ooh, I wonder who, you know, what's the story behind the founder of Taco Billy. And we hope that when you go into uh, Taco Billy the next time, you'll think of this episode and hopefully say hi to Hunter. For sure. And just like, you know, every episode we end with, let us know who we should be interviewing. And this is the result. The connection to Hunter is the result of maybe you audience member listener uh at reaching out to us and connecting those dots so thank you for making that happen thank you hunter for taking the time and we'll just go ahead and segue into you know if you do want to nominate a guest you can always do that at making it in com forward slash podcast uh, there's links on that page to uh, where and how you can nominate a guest you can always also reach out on instagram and facebook we'd love to hear what you have to say We'd like to take a moment to let you know about some upcoming events. This month in January 2020, we're having our first ever Monday Maker Mixer. And the idea here is to create an opportunity for our community to get together. This first mixer is going to be uh, on January 27th, the evening. It's a Monday. It's the last Monday of the month. That's what we're going with for the, the rest of this year is the last Monday of the month, an event this one. Um, will be held in the River Arts District. Please visit makingitinashville.com forward slash events, and you'll be able to see it and RSVP. We're asking for people to RSVP so we can communicate with the venue, make sure that they know uh, really how many people to expect. But also we have some, I think, interesting ways of trying to connect the community in meaningful ways. If you RSVP, we're going to be able to help you more uh, meet people that you want to meet. And our second event is a beginner's podcast workshop. We'll be hosting this at the end of February at Focal Point Coworking. Uh, It's limited to about 10 people, so it's going to be a really small group. We're going to take you through everything you need to know in order to launch your own podcast, from choosing the topic and the niche and the title of your podcast, to editing the audio, to recording the audio, and even to promoting your podcast afterwards. So this is ideal for anyone who's ever thought about starting a podcast. Uh, you can join us for this event. Again, you can go to makingitinashville.com forward slash events, and you should see the event there. Awesome. And we also want to take a minute. We do this in every episode, and we are so thankful for those of you who do take the time to like and review this podcast. The place to do it is on Apple Podcasts. Uh, By doing that, you're helping all of these episodes get discovered more readily on a pretty uh, choppy platform, which is podcasting. And so um, thank you in advance for taking the time to throw up five stars or write a short review Um, It is so greatly appreciated both by us and by our guests.
And if there's anything that you'd like to learn more about from this episode, you can visit the show notes page at makingitinashville.com forward slash 037, so it's just the episode number after makingitinashville.com. We'll list there uh, interesting topics that we mentioned throughout the episode, any links that you might have heard throughout the episode, and how you can get in touch with Taco Billy as well. And one more time, we just want to thank you for listening. We want to thank our small marketing agency called Making It Creative for powering this podcast. Uh, 2020 has been off to a really fantastic start, and we are, uh, we're thankful for you for listening. We're thankful for you for connecting with us on all of the varying social media platforms, joining our mailing list, uh, and really just being a part of this community. Uh, one of the ways that we will look for more support in 2020 is just by having you be more aware of the marketing agency that supports this podcast. So thanks in advance for checking out makingitcreative.com. That was episode 37. Yes. That was episode 37. Mm-hmm. That was episode 37. <laughs> yes, it was. High five. High five. <laughs>